Are you ready to take your real estate investing business to the next level? Well, you're in the right place. This is the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. With your mentors, Wayne and Gabby. Good morning and welcome to the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Today is Friday, January 20th, 2023. The weather today will be a high of 1 degree in Edmonton, minus 5 degrees in Saskatoon, and 1 degree in Toronto. Thanks, Evie. Did you get surprised when you saw that it's going to be 1 degree in Edmonton? Yeah. <laughs> is that today? Ooh, yeah. No way. It's going to be a nice few days coming up here. We are broadcasting live as we do every morning, Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. Mountain Time on the Podbean app. Come join the app or the app, the show. <laughs> Come join the show join live. Us. Come join us live every morning. Um, you get the opportunity to hang out with these lovely real estate investors who I see here coming into the room. And uh, also, uh, you can join in on the chat. There's a call-in button. Um, lots of different ways that you can get your questions answered today and take some action. Uh, today is the day you're going to ask your questions. You're going to get the answer that you need, and you're going to go and take the action that you've been putting off for so long. Maybe it's that action you've been putting off since 2022. Because I tell you, if you don't start today, 2024 is just right around the corner. It really is. It truly is. 2024 is right around the corner. It's 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 coming up. Happens fast. It happens fast. No regrets. Okay. Uh, speaking of those people that are uh, joining us uh, live today, who do we who do we got with us? Mm -hmm. Well, in case I missed anybody right off the bat, you let me know. But I see that we have Carl John. John. Oh, oh. John's okay. on the first one. I'll in the always room. just say John, even John though I have Eric. no clue he's here. <laughs> yeah. Good morning, Carlos and Don. We have Mr. Allen and Johnny. <laughs> Good morning, Kyle. Good morning, Crispy. Crispy's in the house. <laughs> Good morning, Ken. Glenn. Ken and Glenn. I wait. Right after they're two people. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, Cody. Good morning, Matt and Eric. Good morning, Heshna. Good morning, Brandy. Brandy's and, here. And Liam. Okay, you can't stop that song. It's such a good song. You need to stop that. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> good morning, Liam. Good morning, Paul. And Brandy said, and all the kids are up now. <laughs> good morning, Tyson. Oops. And Kathleen and Scotty. Sorry about that. Josh and Denise. Kathleen. Little enthusiasm in these names, Gabby. Come on, I'm I'm playing music. I'm for them. Sorry, I'm reading the comments now. Oh, now you're reading the comments. Well, we're doing a live show here. They're expecting us to uh, entertain them with our voices. Johnny wants to know where's. Hey, Mark. 
Oh, hi, Mark. Hi, Mark. Did I miss Mark? No, we don't have a Mark. Okay. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> I got it. But there's no Mark here. Um, all right. I'm just trying to make a good show here, Gab. Good morning, Sheila. Sheila's here as well. You want me to play her song? or is it? And Leo and El Rey also just uh, awesome. popped in. Awesome. Hey, uh, it's going to be a good show today. <laughs> good start. Well, Brandy feels good. Does she? Yeah. She had, you know, the house to herself. It was quiet. And everyone's awake. We had a good conversation about burrs last night on the uh, master's coaching session. We did. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to mute Gabby. This is this is where we talk back and forth. <laughs> I say something, you say something back. It's how we get through this hour. Upcoming events. While Gabby pulls herself together. Uh, upcoming events. Uh, we got our we got our networking event here on uh, January twenty fourth. It is sold out, unfortunately, but I'll just let you know what you're missing. Um, DCI and REM Masters are co hosting a meet and greet networking event on Tuesday, um, as well. Uh, the next networking event for Calgary is February fourth, REM Masters networking event, which is two Saturdays from now in Calgary. Wow. Uh, sign up for that. Uh, last I checked this morning, there's like a handful of tickets left. Um, we had a bunch of people register yesterday and late last night. Um, we got some guest uh, panelists coming for that event. Uh, we've got Barry McGuire. We've got Dean Manti. We've got Jared Como and we've got Matt Legere. Um, we're all going to be they're going to be having a guest panelist panel discussion. Mm -hmm. on buying off-market properties. So if you're curious about buying off-market properties, not so much about like, how do I find them, but more so about like, how does it differ? How does it, how does it, um, how is it different from buying on-market properties on the MLS? You know, thankfully, um, our lovely realtors normally just make our transaction as seamless and easy as possible. But when you're doing it on your own, it's like, how do I fill out this paperwork? Yeah. Uh, do I have to put any conditions? Uh, do I have the right contract? How do I get this to the lawyer? What does the lawyer need from me? Yeah. Lots How do work. I finance this? Will a bank even give me a mortgage? All those types of uh, questions. Um, and then also, if you are looking for um, an off-market deal, like how do you find them? Well, you can go and look for them for yourself. You can go and find a wholesaler and how do wholesalers work and how do I pay them? So we're going to have a huge discussion about buying off-market properties. Um, and as well, you'll be able to ask your questions um, and get them answered from the experts. So very excited for that on uh, February 4th in Calgary. You can register for that um, on our Eventbrite. Uh, just look up Real Estate Investing Masters or go to our REI Masters Facebook group. And uh, the link is pinned there. That'll be good for now. Okay. Uh, we have another event coming up in Edmonton shortly, but I'm just mm -hmm. holding off on just not overwhelming everyone. <laughs> well, what if they make plans? Mm. 
February 11th. Pencil it in your calendar. It's okay. The announcement will be in the next couple of days. Okay. That works. You heard it here first. <laughs> She's awesome. a fine girl. What are we going to talk about today, guys? We're not going to talk about High Mark. I got a couple uh, banked questions about social media. Okay. If that's something that people are interested in, but I mean, ultimately, I'd love to. Um, I'd love to discuss whatever everyone is working on. You know what I mean? Whatever the people. Would like um, to discuss. Ken, shoot me a DM. I'm just talking to Ken. Okay. <laughs> Random, but yeah. okay. Ken wants in on that Edmonton networking event. So I told him, shoot me a DM. I'll send him, I'll send him the info. Oh, you're going to get a whole bunch of DMs now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, if you are serious about the Edmonton event, just shoot me a DM uh, on February 11th. Fr- frankly, Gab. It's like, it's like half sold out already. Yeah, there's not going to be many tickets available <laughs> to the public. See, <laughs> <laughs> like, there's not many tickets going to be left. It's it's our Edmonton events and and Calgary, Edmonton more so, fill up fast, really fast. Mm-hmm. And then it's like you know the normal people, the regulars, you know, the people within our master's mentorship program. Of course, they want to come, and of course, we're going to let them in. Um, but uh, it, there's no opportunity for any new people to come. <laughs> so we were already like February 11th is, is done, secured. Um, and we're going to announce it here in the next couple of days. But like I'm already looking at a larger event space. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, we're going to have to just to come. It's, it's such an amazing community. Yeah. And everybody wants to come out and network. Um, Brandy wants to talk about. Brandy wants to talk about squatters. Uh, and RTDRS court orders. Okay, this this sounds like a fun conversation, but that means you're going to have to give us a lot more um, information. Uh, we oh, right no, there. She's, yeah. Oh wow. I work. Okay. Um, all right. Cool. Let's take a commercial break, and then we'll come back into this uh, this conversation about this squatter. Yes. Okay. Some of you might have heard us talking about DCI Properties and how much we like their process and deal flow as one of the premier wholesaling companies in Canada. But one of the things most people don't know about DCI Properties is that they don't cherry pick deals for themselves. Everything they get under contract, they offer out to their buyers list. That's right. No sloppy seconds from DCI. No sloppy seconds. (laughs) So if you're an investor looking for their next flip project or cash flowing rental property, get on their buyers list today and check out their inventory. To get on the list for Alberta deals, visit www.dciproperties.ca slash Alberta buyers, or for Ontario deals, go to www.dciproperties.ca slash buyers. And we are back. Liam says in the comments here that uh, John and I are working on locking in an off-market agreement for sale this morning. Wowza. That's good. And that's that's JP, right? Who's JP? John. Oh, I don't know. I don't know who he's talking about. I'm asking them. Uh, Liam, speak up. <laughs> JD. What? J- 
That was JP, JD, JP. Okay, well, I'm messing it up. I see John per- <laughs> Persia, yeah. Persia, so I just assume it's JP. Okay, whatever. <laughs> What's the D stand for? David. Uh, I thought he was going to set me up there. <laughs> okay. All right, so it's JD. Oh, God, it's confusing. Um, okay, let's get to Brandy's question. Okay, where did it go? There it is. Brandy has a tenant that won't leave after the lurs. <laughs> Brandy has a tenant that won't leave after the term of the lease was up. They're now squatting. Curious, how long the RTDRS will give them to move out after an order? Case by case. Yep. It's up to their discretion, but with uh, somebody very clearly defying the rules of their lease, um, they're not usually very uh, uh, patient or forgiving about um, getting them out. So from what I've seen, we haven't had somebody overstay, but from what I've seen just uh, from some people within the community is that they usually are like, give them less than a week, like a few days to get out. Yeah. But it's but we are not able to tell you what the answer to that is. It totally depends on whoever you get and the situation and what they decide on. Yeah, it's um I wish we can give you a better answer. It's that's just is what it is. So I mean, get into the RGRS as quickly as possible. Um I <clears throat> it's my opinion that uh the mediators are really quite reasonable if you've done everything correctly and somebody else hasn't. Uh, imagine uh, you went to school, um, you know, for whatever, law, and you got a job, it pays really well, and your job is to sit in a room with a bunch of people who bicker at each other every day. And you studied this act, the Residential Tenancies Act, and it is your your guidebook, your 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 handbook as to what everyone is supposed to do. And you're like, okay, I can I just assume that everyone has read this, and then I can base my decisions based off of their ability to follow the instructions and the rules within this act. And then two people show up, and they bring their mom and their dad, and it's just all day all day, every day. No one's following the rules that are set out in the act. I'm just, you still with me here? And like, close your eyes and just imagine you're this person. It could be the worst job in the world to experience that. And then they expect you to make a decision based off of who is less wrong. So if you follow the rules within the act and the other party doesn't, you are in a much better position and far more likely to get what you want. If the person, whatever, they're going to have some BS reason. Well, they didn't tell me that the lease was up and they only gave me one week notice and I couldn't find a place and they can't just leave me on the on, on the street, you know. And then, of course, you know, they'll, they'll go back to you and say, well, what do you have to say about this? And you say, well, I'm not required as per the Residential Tenancies Act to give them in Alberta to give them any notice. If there's no lease renewed, then then they're expected to be out. They should know this. Well, how am I supposed to know that? 
And, you know, since then, just sitting here and squatting and not leaving is, is, is you know, there's no excuse for that. So I, a mediator is going to look at that situation and see that you did everything correctly. You're reasonable. You're not overreacting. You're not screaming. You're not crying. You're not scratching at the table. And they're going to, they're going to be realistic. This has just been my my experience with the RTRS. They're not going to be like, you squatter, get out tonight. Because realistically, they know they can't get out. Right? So they're going to give them a reasonable amount of time to get their stuff out. They're going to ask how much stuff you have left in the property. I got everything in there. Okay. How they'll, they'll ask very likely, how long do you think it would take you to get move all of your stuff out? Well, I don't know. I'm just like, I'm going to get a U-Haul. I don't have any money for a U-Haul. And I don't even have a place to live. Where am I supposed to put my stuff? Totally understand. But you have to understand that you're supposed to be out and you're not supposed to be in there. Brandy, I'm going to award this claim, this decision to you. Tenant, squatter, I'm going to give you seven days to remove all of your items and remove yourself from the, the premises. And they're going to give you an order. And then you take that order down to the Court of King's Bench, file it at the Court of King's Bench. And then you have to take that and then serve the um, the order to your squatter tenant. Squatter tenant receives it. Now they have an order to, to, to vacate. If they do not vacate within that amount of time that they've given the tenant, in this case, Mr. Squatter, Mr. Squatter, then at that point, you can go back to the Court of King's Bench and get a writ of enforcement, which that writ of enforcement will allow you to take further steps like hiring a bailiff or a sheriff. And then once you hire the bailiff, then they can remove the tenant physically from the property. Mm -hmm. That is the process. They will wait there while you change the locks. They will wait there while the tenant removes all their items, any items that they do not remove at that time you have to hold. And then, well, that's a whole separate conversation about how long you need to hold it for and how you need to hold it and that process. But this, this is the process of, of how it normally goes for removing someone. Um, again, once you've got the, once you're in the hearing, once you've got the order, it's like, the likelihood of them saying you need to be out tomorrow is so slim because it's just, it's not realistic for a tenant to be out by tomorrow. Right. So they're probably going to give them a few days, if not a week, just expect that. Um, Gabby, how would you go about preventing? I'm curious. I'm genuinely curious how, how you would go about doing this. How would you be proactive to prevent people from squatting in the future? Is there any real yeah. way to prevent someone from not leaving? I think it I think it depends on the situation. We have no context here as to what led up to it. Um, were they shit tenants that, you know, you had the discussion that you're not re- renewing their lease and they said, well, I'm not leaving. Good luck getting me out. Or did you not have a conversation with them about, you know, not renewing and then they just literally didn't think anything of it and stayed and now you're like, you need to leave. And they're like, what? You know what I mean? So like... There's a lot of missing information to know what led up to this particular case. But one thing that I do, um, you know, when there's a lease that I don't want to renew is I make sure that at least a month and a half, that is like bare minimum, but more around the two month mark, I would be giving them the heads up for such and such reasons. We will not be 
renewing the lease. Um, yada 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 we'll reach out closer to to schedule your um move out inspection and provide you with a cleaning list blah 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 uh thank you for your tenancy yada yada so now they have a heads up they can start looking for somewhere to move and they have plenty of time to get their shit together right right um so that is my uh can i give you a quick yeah from brandy crappy tenants multiple domestic issues not paying rent they change the locks and more uh, tenant made aware 30 days was given heads up that we are not renewing the lease. Yeah, that's what I figured. I figured it was just yeah. a shitty tenant situation. Yeah. So in those types of situations, there's not much you can do. They're going to do what they're going to do. I mean, I still would have given more than 30 days. Uh, 30 days can be hard for anybody to find a new place. Never mind um, crappy tenants who are going to have trouble finding a new place. And that's part of the issue is that if you have a crappy tenant, they very likely um, have, you know, probably ruined their credit. They've probably, um, you know, you said that they weren't paying rent, so money's probably an issue. They're going to have a hard time finding a place. Mm -hmm. So 30 days isn't much time to be able to, you know, not only get your your stuff together to move an entire house, but also to actually get approved somewhere. So I, w I would have probably given a bit more notice, but I don't know if that would have done anything. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the other thing is Brandy says here that if she had given more notice, they likely wouldn't have paid the December rent. So, yeah, it's a and that's unfortunately sometimes when you get into a situation with tenants where maybe they started out good and then things kind of go sideways, you need to be delicate with your interactions and you need to decide what's worth it and what's not worth it when, you know, like there's a fine line and you're kind of tiptoeing across it. I totally see Brandy's yeah. thought process there because I know if we had a shitty tenant and we told them we weren't renewing and most, most tenants don't know that like the lease is ending and they think that it's just going to keep going. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, my thought process would have process would have been exactly the same being that if I tell them that we're not renewing, they're going to be like, fine, fuck it. Use my security deposit as my last month's rent. And then yeah. you'd be like, excuse me, ma'am. Unfortunately, um, as, as per, per the, the Residential Tenancies <laughs> Act, we are unable to use your security deposit for rent. Um, so you need to send your money and then we will send the security deposit back. Yeah, I don't give a shit. Come after me. Mm -hmm. And then when they don't pay, you have to use the security deposit regardless. And then you don't have a security deposit to cover all of the additional cleaning and repairs and the whole reason why it's there. Yeah. So I totally see the thought process there. And if I were in your shoes, I probably would have waited until January 1st or, or December 1st, whatever it is, um, to let them know after they paid the, the rent. So they got 30 days. Yeah. That's exactly what I would have done. Yeah, it's, <clears throat> I think we were talking similarly about something yesterday about like, you know, or the day before about like making sure that, ugh, I can't remember what we were talking about, but I said that. At that particular point, your your relationship with your tenant is just screwed. You know what I mean? You you pull that, you know, you say something and and you piss them off. It's like a switch turns and they go from and it goes from being an amicable relationship to like a hostile relationship. And once it becomes hostile, it's very unpredictable. Yeah. And they do unpredictable things. Crappy tenants do unpredictable things. I'm not just because they're just people. Yeah. We got to remember that they're not they're not greasy asshole tenants not everyone is like that um it's just the bad tenants the ones that you know brandy is experiencing the ones that we've experienced and the ones that you've all experienced 
as soon as things get hostile, it's very unpredictable. And they hold that over your head that they might not leave. They might not pay the rents. They might not leave the house in the same condition um, that they that you gave it to them in. Mm-hmm. And those are huge risks for you because though you'll always win because you're doing everything by the book and, you know, to the act. You'll always manage to get your money back in the future through the for, through the proper legal process of, you know, deducting from the security deposit, taking them to the RTDRS, filing a claim for any additional damages and losses, um, getting a writ of enforcement, garnishing their wages, freezing their bank accounts, um, filing your your writ at the the registry, Alberta registry, or whatever provincial registry, whatever. Like you, you'll you'll get your money back eventually, but it's a big risk for you because you have to pay for that money up front, and it might take you years to get that money back, mm-hmm. and you don't get to claim interest on it. So, in our experience, like Gabby said, it's very important to stay. You got to be very delicate with the relationship and with the conversations to make sure you get the outcomes that you want now, as opposed to trying to chase them later, you know, being stubborn and saying, I'm right. And I'm going to, they can't do this. Well, you're right. They can't and, and they'll lose, but it's going to take a long time to get your money back in a lot of cases. (sighs) Tenant, tenant relationships, tenant management is, um, it's a hell of a thing. Uh, I I try not to be involved because <laughs> as you can tell, like I'm I'm trying to be very calculative, trying to figure out what's the best way to get the best outcome, yeah. the best words, the best way to structure the sentence, the timing of the email. Do I send it in the morning? Do I send it in the evening? Do I send it after they pay the rent? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it sucks the brand is going through that. Oh, yeah, for sure. I would not want to be in that situation. That's kind of one of those situations that everybody's like, is kind of one of those big like, what ifs that can hold people back is like, what if somebody overstays? There's a process that you're going to get them out. It's just yeah. it just sucks going through it. Um, we kind of had somebody not like they were in the process of leaving, but they were definitely taking their dear sweet time. And we almost had to, uh, we did all of the research to get a bailiff to go through that process. And then 11th hour, they, um, they bailed, but we had to, yeah, do all that research into bailiffs, into holding, um, left behind property into, it was, um, yeah, it was a, mm-hmm. a crappy situation to go through. Yeah. But once you go through it, guess what? <laughs> You've been through like pretty much the worst of the worst and you can deal with anything that comes up and with so much less anxiety, so much less like freaking out about what's going to happen and what to Why? do. Um, through experience, you gain confidence, you gain understanding, knowledge. When you have understanding, knowledge and experience, you, 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 you no longer- You're not concerned, like you're, you, you know what's going to happen. You have certainty. Certainty. Thank you. That's the word that I was trying to come up with and it wasn't hitting, but you have the certainty. Most, almost all anxiety and all of those really crappy feelings in these really hard situations that we face are because we don't know what's about to happen. We don't know how we're going to handle it. We don't, there's so many unknowns, so much uncertainty. But once you've been through it, 
you gain that clarity, that certainty. And it's like, okay, I can do this again. Nothing that it, Just, it, I know what to do. I know yeah. what to expect. There's a little bit of uncertainty, just not knowing how the actual like, but tenant. You, but you know, see, see, you, the thing is, there is a little bit of uncertainty, but it's, I know the things that I can control and I know the things that I cannot control. And that gives me peace. Yeah. I know that this is the process for getting it done. I know that these are the things that I cannot control. Mm -hmm. And if you know for certain that these are things I can control and these are the things that I cannot control, there's nothing to get anxious about because there's nothing more you can do. Yeah. And that gives you a peace that, that gives you peace and relief. Yeah. Right. So like Gabby said, if you, if you've been through it, it doesn't bother you so much anymore. If you can rip off what I just ripped off a few seconds ago, okay, I need to file the RTDRS. We got to wait about three weeks to get into a hearing. Once I get in there, I just need to make sure that I, I've done everything by the book. I've got all my documentation. I remain calm. They will will always, uh, you know, reward in my uh, award in my favor uh, because I was calm, because I was prepared, because I did everything by the book. Now, after that, they're probably going to give about seven days, and if the if the tenant doesn't leave after the seven days, and that will be, you know, February 14th or whichever, then I need to go and get the writ of enforcement at the Court of King's Bench. I go over to 123 Bailiffs. I call up Jim at 123 Bailiffs. He can get there within a couple of days. He removes them. I'm going to call, you know, lock surgeon or whatever. I'm going to get the lock. Don't call lock surgeon. Ooh. $500 lock replacement. <laughs> Fuck. Sorry. Um, I'm going to call uh, Jimmy's locks, <laughs> and he's going to replace the lock for 50 bucks. Uh, once that they're probably going to leave some stuff behind. So I have the option to either leave other stuff in the unit, or I'm going to go over to Sam's, um, um, storage place. I'm going to hire one, two, three junk to call, to come in, grab all the junk, put it into Sam's storage space. It's going to cost me about $400 a month. I need to hold on to all their stuff for 30 days. Uh, and then they can pay me the, the money that they owe me to get there and the money for the storage, the cost of storage to get all their stuff back out. Otherwise, if they don't do that within 30 days, I'm allowed to liquidate and sell their stuff to go towards the amount of money that they owe me, the losses and damage that I've incurred. From that point, I'm allowed to throw the rest out for the remaining amount of money that they owe me. I'm going to go after them. Are they going to garnish their wages? I'm going to freeze their bank account. I'm going to go after them in the Alberta registry to prevent them from renewing their license. See what I mean? Like, I just know the process. And when you know all of that stuff, it's like, well, fuck, that sucks. It's not what I wanted to do in February or in, in March. But yeah, it is what it is. And, and if and if, if you really like that, go and record that and listen to it again. And On and like uh, 0.5 speed. <laughs> I Slow it down. <laughs> but you know, yeah, but that certainty we've been through it and now he knows and he can rip it off. And if we were in that situation, we'd be like, well, shit, here we go. But yeah. we wouldn't be like, oh my God, what do we do? What do we do? Gabby wouldn't be crouched in a corner, rocking back not and forth, sleeping. not sleeping. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I just wanted to throw in here and in, in these situations that we're talking about is the other part of that and the other part of being sophisticated and having the knowledge and being an educated investor is that you have a reserve fund in place that is going to cover these unexpected costs. They're not going to be out of your pocket. You're not going to be freaking out about how you're going to pay a bailiff. You're not going to be freaking out about how you're going to pay for storage for 30 days. You have a reserve fund in place for these situations. And eventually, I mean, sometimes, you know, we talk about, you know, whether or not you're ever going to get that money back if they're 
a low life that doesn't make money. But you know what I mean? Like these, these kind of things happen. You need to look at the long term of it, though. And that, you know, like, but how much mortgage pay down have you gotten? But how much cash flow did you make in the meantime? How much, you know, like this is, and when I see comments like, um, like Paul's, he says yeah. that, you know, like his, um, his wife hears these situations. They have some friends who have been through the ringer with tenant after tenant after tenant. And that's what scares her about getting into investing. And I think that's what scares everybody in the beginning. Yeah. But until you experience some things and until you gain the knowledge of all the things that are going to protect you, you're, that's when you start to feel good about it. And that's when you, your mind starts to expand and you start to realize like, holy shit, even if a tenant takes me through hell and back and I like for some reason, you know, they trash the place and I'm $10,000 out or something. Think about the long term of that property, though. Yeah. And think about what it's providing you in the long term, not in that one situation where, you know, unfortunately, it takes your time, your energy, you know, like all these things to get through. But what what mathematically, what is that property providing you in the long term? Oh, baby. Keep talking about math. <laughs> and I certainly did not see that in the beginning. So I do not blame Paul's wife for feeling the way that she feels. And I was riddled with anxiety for years when we started in all these situations that would come up. But on the on the other side of it all, I can now see it and like, holy shit, like the one property that has literally given us hell, tenants from hell and back, like multiple times we've had to do evictions and claims and all that kind of stuff is our little cash cow that just is like the the money maker of our portfolio. <laughs> Puts food in the fridge, baby. Yeah. Um, do you, do you mind if I just dive a little bit deeper into uh mindset for Paul? Cause I know everybody loves mindset. Sure. <laughs> I, I, I hate the, the, the cliche term. It's all about mindset. Um, if you understand all the things that I just said a minute ago and you go through this experience, <clears throat> sorry, my throat's a little raspy today if you if you go through this experience multiple times and you have you know you have the ability to to start thinking okay what can i do differently next time to make sure this doesn't happen again right and naturally most people would say well i just need to put better systems in place for tenant screening well yes that's great you know what, what kind of things can you add in for tenant screening? I'm not going to go through a tenant screening masterclass today. We've done one in the past, um, but start asking yourself, what kind of things can I ask for? What kind of things can I do when I'm screening tenants to ensure that these aren't the type of people that would do something like this? However, in my experience, what I've learned is that, you know, credit scores, credit reports, um, landlord references, and um, job letters will not prepare you and are not good indicators for determining whether someone is going to not pay rent at some point and squat and not leave. It, they're the tip of the iceberg. They're the first little, they might have slight little indicators in them, but it's not. Like you could, you could pull judgments at the court of King's bench to find out if other landlords have taken them to court and they've lost before. See, that would be a good indication that this person might not be the best suitable tenant. Mm -hmm. um, but if they haven't gone through the process and an order has been um, 
a judgment has been made against them, um, then you won't know because they got bad credit and then it's, you know, there's an indication of, you know, they've, they've failed to make payments in the past. That's a, you know, that's a really red, big red flag for you to be like, okay, well, if they've made missed payments before with other people, there's a possibility that they're not good with their money. They're irresponsible and they may not pay me. You'd take that into consideration whether you rent to them or not. But if they got everything all lined up properly and then something happens this year, you know, they're, their personality, their 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 character. You can't measure someone's character by their credit score. You can't. You can't. A credit score is not going to tell you what they're going to do when they're in a situation when they don't have money or when they can't find another place. Right? There's no personalities test that you can send. I wish there was character test. We should we should develop this a character <laughs> personality test. Um, we'll get uh, we'll get the FBI to make it for us. Um, to, to determine like what someone would do in a situation where they don't have the money for the rent. Are they the type of people that would go and like borrow it from friends to make sure they pay their rent on time? Or they're the type of people that say, fuck them. They're making too much money anyways. And that's ultimately that right there. What I just said is kind of what you're looking for when you're screening tenants, when you're having discussions with them, conversations, you get about five or 10 minutes to have a conversation with them. You need to determine if that's the type of person that they are. Are they the type of person that says, yeah, fuck them. Or they're the type of people that say, that say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. This is not me. I, I feel terrible. My mom is a landlord. Um, no, I will 100% make this up to you. And I totally understand if you need to charge us a late fee. See the difference? Yeah. That's who I want right there. Someone who actually gives a shit. So when going back to the whole tenant screening process, you got to try and figure out how can I find people like this? What can I do? What kind of questions can I ask to determine if this is the type of person? Because their credit score, their job security and everything else doesn't say anything about what they do when they can't fulfill their obligations, what they're willing to do, their determination. Now, if you get to that point and there's nothing else that you can add in your tenant screening, then there's nothing more you can do. And again, that kind of gives you a, a, a feeling of peace and relief. Because I have put everything in place that, that I can in order to ensure that I get the right people coming through. Anything that happens between now and the end of the lease is outside of my control. It's in their hands. And once you've established that, that there's nothing else that you can do and I've done everything that I can do, what are you going to do? It, it is what it is. That's it. There's nothing else you can do. Why stress about it? You've now determined that this is the business that I am in. I'm in the business of trying to find the right person to rent to. I give them one-year leases. If they're good, I renew them. If they're not good, I don't renew them. And from time to time, someone's going to do something that they're not supposed to do. And there's nothing I can do about that. There's nothing I can do to prevent that. And that is the business that you are in. And if you are comfortable with that business, then move forward. If you are not comfortable with that business, then do not move forward with real estate investing. Or hire it out to someone else to deal with it. But at the end of the day, whether you hire it out or you don't hire it out, you're going to be dealing with it. It's going to affect your bottom line temporarily. You're going to have to hire a bailiff. You're going to have to hire, you know, a, a debt collector, or you're going to have to go in to the, down to the Alberta registries and, and file at the registry, your writ of enforcement to prevent them from renewing their license. That's part of your life. That's just what you're going to have to do. But I want you guys to understand all this stuff right now. And, and I want you to get educated on this whole process, because if you understand it, it's just, it's, it's going to make your life so much easier. 
That's why we don't stress about stuff. Um, something else that a lot of people don't really talk about too often when, you know, talking about getting into landlording, it's it's usually the how-to, how to select tenants, how to file a judgment, how to, you know, do all these things. We want to know, you know, the processes if things happen. But something that's not talked about very often is deciding from the get-go what is most important to you. If a really you know, nice high class tenant is important to you, then you're going to invest in different areas and different types of properties. Mm -hmm. And you're probably going to not have the best cash flow in turn, because you're going to be probably looking at single family houses, where a family who makes a good income is going to want to rent from you, you're going to be looking at, um, you know, maybe like some half duplexes, or, you know, whatever it may be, but you're probably not going to be looking at uh, suited properties mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, like some of the, uh, and in different areas where you might be able to get, oh, I could buy, we talked about this last night. Why in our mentorship call. Because you have pe- people starting out getting, who aren't making a lot of money, lower tenant, lower tenant class, lower income, uh, renting a basement suite or a main floor suite, because that's all that they can afford. Um, opposed to being able to afford, you know, their own space in a mm-hmm. full house or whatever it may be. Likelihood of shit going down. <laughs> I, I, I just want to protect you just in case people are judging you for what you're saying right now. Oh, I don't um, give a shit. Okay, good. Um, I, I was that tenant at some point in my life. Um, I don't want, um, sorry, just hold that thought though. I, I don't want people to think that just because someone makes less than you that they are a lesser um, quality person, which a lot of people jump to that conclusion. Okay, fair. You know, just because someone only makes $20 an hour does not mean that they're a scumbag and that they're not going to be willing to pay rent and that they're dirty, right? Yeah. Now, what I will say is that through life, life is full of decisions and a lot of people make good decisions and a lot of people make bad decisions and then it it determines where you land. Some people are okay with where they're at in their career and they only make $25 an hour. That's fine. Someone making $50 an hour does not mean that they're more successful, but typically that means that they've gone to school or they've, you know, they've, they've went and gone an education or a degree or, um, or proved themselves a certificate, you know, for certification for some sort of a trade or skill. They are skilled workers. Therefore, they are paid more skilled workers make more money so they've made decisions in their life um responsibly to to make sure that they have more money that they're able to afford more things so typically the people who make better decisions in their life make more money Mm -hmm. the people who don't necessarily make decisions typically um don't make as much money so therefore you're dealing with someone who doesn't make good decisions this is just i'm breaking it down just into facts that is not always the case though. And, you know, Gabby and I were, were 21, 22, you know, years old at a time and we were making 20, $25 an hour. Does that mean, and look where we are now. So. Yeah. But on the, on the flip side of it and what I, I had just kind of thrown a little comment in there is that I, I was that young renter at one point in my life where, um, I, I think I had made some pretty darn good decisions, but I was, newly on my own living. I didn't know how to properly budget. They don't teach you that in school. Mm -hmm. So I was figuring it out on my own. I did have times where I missed rent because I made some bad decisions about 
going on a trip or like whatever. Um, and that I had to beg for forgiveness and, and, and call mom and try to get rent together. So I've been in those situations where I was that kind of crappy tenant. (laughs) I've broken a lease before, not realizing it was a big deal. Because we didn't know. Yeah. And so I think that's just part of growing up and getting experience Mm -hmm. is that, you know, you learn these things, but you know, later on in life, I mean, like we, we bought our first house, we were still pretty young, but, uh, you know, later on in life, when you you don't land in your careers or all those types of things, and you start a family, you're typically, um, you know, making some better decisions because it's not just for yourself anymore. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, as we totally digress, but well, I think you it's all were you relevant. were talking about tenant profile, and I cut you off there. Sorry. Yeah, I just and like if I look historically at our portfolio over the last decade, um, you know, like the single single family dwellings or the you know townhouses, row houses, one unit, we almost never have issues, have tenant issues. All of our issues come in the, in the suited uh, properties. Yeah, the, the most difficult. So. To deal with. If you know, coming into being a landlord, that I do not want to deal with crappy tenants. I know that there's a possibility it could happen, but that is something that I do not want to do. And I would rather have lesser cash flow and just have a nice portfolio that supports itself, but I'm not, you know, banking on being able to retire off cash flow or anything mm-hmm. like that, which don't do anyways. But um, that should be a decision that you make. Yeah. Or... I can deal with whatever is thrown at me. I don't care. I'm a badass and I just want to be swimming in cash flow. Then go buy up all of the suited properties that have really nice cash flow. But that's a decision. And well, that brings me to something I was thinking about a minute ago was that uh, a lot of your quote unquote influencers say that you should be buying multifamily because of its affordability level. And have you heard that? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, a lot of people say, well, definitely buy multifamily because they're more affordable units and in the they're recession proof. They're recession proof because in the event of a recession, uh, when people, you know, lose their jobs um, and they, they need a place to live and they can no longer afford the $3,000 rent, they will always be able to afford the $700 one bedroom units in those multifamily buildings. And the tenant profile is so much lower in those so that you can get away with not upgrading them and just keeping the bare minimum hot plates and all that other nonsense. I'm exaggerating, but I was going to say, it's like you're, you're diving into like slumlord 101. <laughs> well, go look at a lot of these apartments that people yeah. are buying oh, yeah. up in these small towns. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they're like, I'm cash flow rich, baby. I'm like, yeah, but like, look at your units. They're garbage, but that's the tenants that they're going for. They are going for the yeah. tenants that don't complain about roaches and they don't complain about, you know, improper heating and they don't complain about the noise or they do complain about the noise. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like keep it down in there. And then you've got the, you got the on-site manager that's like got the chest hair coming out and he's always like hitting on the younger girls. Like just, I'm painting a picture for you of these buildings. Yes. You are, you have a lot more tenants who are like a bigger tenant pool. Yeah. Yes. They are more likely to stay longer because these are the type of tenants that never really do. Okay. I'm, I'm judging again. I'm being judgmental. <clears throat> a lot of these ones like, the tenants stay a very long time because they're not going to be changing their income anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Just the, that's just the tenant profile of a lot of, a lot of these buildings. You're not getting doctors 
I want to buy a multifamily unit and I also want a heart surgeon to be living in it. No. No, it's not happening. No, minimum wage. You're getting three adults who make minimum wage and they're struggling to come up with a down payment to buy their own place. This is like, this is the tenant profile you're going to be getting. So you're going to be getting a lot of issues in dealing with a lot of less than desirable characters and decision making with poor decision making skills on a daily. And if it's not you dealing with it, it's it's Rocco, your your on-site manager who just like where's rent? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Is that what I want to invest in? Even though I'm not dealing with it, Rocco's in that, and like dealing with it. Like, well, and like that's what a- do you mean there's another person squatting? What do you mean they burnt a hole through the wall with their cigarette? I don't know. He was he was on he was on drugs or something, and he he, he put his he put his cigarette into the wall to see if it would catch fire. That's the kind of stories you're going to hear. You know what I mean? Yeah, but that's the decision that we made. I don't want that. I want I want single family white white picket you know fence where it's next to a school and they're going to stay for three to five years until they save up for a down payment. That's the people that I want. Mm-hmm. They have really good jobs that make two hundred thousand dollars a year, but they're saving up for their down payment, and they treat it like a home because they're responsible people. Go with whatever you want, but I'm just like I'm laying it all out for you here. Like, because a lot of people, they, they buy these multifamily units. They buy these houses with multiple suites in it. And they're like, oh, my tenants were the worst. Well, look at what you're buying. Yeah. That's what you're attracting. Yeah. But they typically do cash flow better. So the the the, up, the positive cash flow that you're getting is just, it's, it's kind of a wash because of the extra expenses and losses that you incur dealing with all the negative tenant stuff. Yeah. And the repairs. That's true. At the end of the day, when you look at, or at the end of the year, when you're, you know, sending your final bookkeeping off to your accountant, um, you know, when I look at our uh, suited properties versus our single units, um, you can definitely see, you know, okay, look at like, if I look month by month, it's like, whoa, cash flow, cash flow, cash flow, holy in the negative. Cause there was yeah. like a vacancy and then repairs had to be done and like all that kind of stuff. So it's the, the ups and downs are definitely uh, way higher and way lower than the steady single units, single yeah. family units. Single family units, we get an email that the dryer isn't working. We send an appliance deck, yeah. 200 bucks. Yeah. They get an email that, hey, the deck is starting to uh, wear out and rot out a little bit. We're going to need a new deck. And we say, okay, please be careful on the deck. In the spring, we'll replace it. Mm-hmm. Never, uh, you know, and if they miss rent, typically they're, they're a lot more reasonable. Yeah. Hey, they missed our payment. TD Canada Trust is down, so the whole you know check the whole their pay systems were down, so we didn't get paid. So we'll have it on Tuesday. It's a long weekend. Okay, cool. Yeah, right. Um, think about this kind of stuff when you're buying a property. Think about the tenants that you are going to be attracting. Think about the area that it's in, and and if you decide to to go and chase the best deal with the best cash flow in the crappy area with the crappy tenants you're going to be renting to just just make a decision that this is what it is and there's nothing else that I can do that's a decision you make then you live with it don't complain about it you made that decision right mm-hmm. brandy had a follow up question um I wanted to make sure we get to uh what do you guys do if a tenant moving out will not give you a forwarding address yes this is a different tenant <laughs> 
what do you do if they won't give you a forwarding address? So what do you put in place to make sure that? Yeah. Well, first of all, I just want to say that like um, I find that tenants giving forwarding addresses is like kind of almost a thing of the past. I find that there's maybe like maybe 50% of tenants who will and the other 50% are like, mm, no. <laughs> Um, and it's not something that you can re- be like, well, if you leave and skip out and you owe me money, how am I going to find you? Like, obviously, they're not going to give you their address. Yeah. So usually if it's it's hit or miss, I find these days whether they will. I find that used to be so much more common, you know, five, six, seven, eight years ago. But um, so <laughs> Wayne and I have talked about this a lot in the past, if you've been listening for any time, but um we implement a email communications agreement that all of our communications are through email. We do not take phone calls. We do not accept texts. We don't even give out our phone number, except there's an emergency line for if there's an emergency to call. Um, And this way, and it's a signed agreement. Sorry. It's a signed agreement that they sign when they become our tenant, saying that all communication is through email. So, This gives us the opportunity, should they leave and owe us money, um, that we can serve them by email. Yeah. Because that is how all of our communications were made. They have a signed agreement. They have always responded to our emails. We have always responded to their emails. There's clearly a line of communication open there. So they can't just ignore our email and say, we didn't receive it. Yeah. Um, Because that's literally how we've been talking the past one year, two year, five years that they've been our tenant. Yeah. Yeah. if you don't have something like that, you're going to have to get creative. Yeah. And there's there's a few different ways to go about doing it. Um, I mean, what you can do is is keep communication through email. Uh, that's that's just number one. Like always have communication through email. Um, that way they don't call you and they don't text you and that kind of stuff. But you know, in the events that you're getting towards the end there and they're being you know they're being a pain in the butt and you know there's going to be some issues because some cleaning and repairs need to be done. Um, you know, say, hey, you know, let's do our walkout inspection. Um, so that way we can get your damage deba- deposit back real quickly or security deposit, sorry. Get your security deposit back real quick and go through the process. Um, just give us uh, a few days after we do the ins- inspection just to just to make sure everything's all good. Um, and then we'll send you an email with a statement of accounts and the details of everything and then how we're going to send you the deposit back. That right there gives them hope, right? So they're going to be expecting an email. I would probably put an email together and say something to the extent of if now if you need to if you need to 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 get them to a hearing um and and you need to serve them by email I would probably put an email together saying some like having the subject um statement of account for security deposit I say hey here's all the information uh, for the security deposit, I've also attached a few other attachments to this email. Um, so attach the statement of account, um, attach the 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 notice of hearing, but I wouldn't call it notice of hearing. Um, and then I just put it on the second attachment and then get them to look at the statement of account and see all the stuff broken down, that there's no security deposit coming back and that there's, uh, there's an amount of money that is left owing. And then naturally, they're going to open up the second one. And then what are they going to do? They're probably going to respond to the email saying, what the fuck is this shit? Why is there no security deposit left? Why are you charging me for a doorbell? But what you've done is you've just gotten proof that they've replied to your email that they were served the notice of hearing. Ideally, in a best case scenario, you can they might even say, and what's this notice of hearing? Now you're taking me to court too. You just got them to prove to you that they received the notice of hearing. Now you can go. 
Because what's going to happen is when you get to the RTD arrest for your hearing date and the tenant doesn't show up, um, you have to sign an affidavit. You have to sign an a- in Alberta. Um, not sure what it's like in other provinces, but um, when you have your hearing, you need to sign an affidavit saying that you have served the tenant um, sufficiently, whether that be in person, uh, whether that be by other forms like email or registered mail, whichever. You have to sign it saying that they have been properly served. When you get to the hearing and they don't show up, the mediator is going to ask you, how did you serve them? I served them by email. Okay. Well, we allow email, but you need some sort of proof that they've actually received it. Here is the email confirmation that they responded to the email and they said, what is this bullshit that you're, (laughs) that you're serving me for, you know, uh, you're taking me to court. You've got proof that they've received it. As long as you can prove that they've received the hearing, the notice of hearing, you're good. And then you can, if they don't show up to the hearing, then they will, they will proceed with the hearing without them. And obviously they're going to lose. If it's a justifiable claim and you have all the evidence and they're not there to defend themselves, judgment will be rewarded to you. An order will be created. You go file at the court of King's bench and then you go and you serve it to the tenants again, which the second time you serve them is going to be the difficult one. But you might just have to come up with another creative email. But I mean, that's how I would go about doing it if I didn't have these things in place. You just got to get creative. Use that example right there. But what you need to do is you kind of need to dangle the carrot a little bit to make sure that they actually read it and force them, kind of, kind of manipulate them to respond to it. Yeah. Um, Johnny wants to know how do you prove that they received it if you served them in person? That's funny. That's that's a great question because I've always wondered that too. It's like the easiest thing to like to fake if you wanted to. Yeah. Well, I served them. Yeah. I no, you did it right to them. <laughs> I gave yeah. it right to them. Yeah. I, I personally like to put it on the door. So now, you have but to, the problem is you have to try. Yeah. You have times. to prove or you have to, yeah, try multiple times. So you have to show up, knock on the door, nobody answers, document that you went there on Friday afternoon at 3 p.m. Then you need to try again at a different day and a different time. So then you need to go back on on Saturday at 6 p.m. and knock on the door and nobody answers. And so then you document that you went there on a weekend in the evening. Mm-hmm. And then you need to try a third time on Monday, at, you know, maybe in the evening. So now it's a weekday in the evening. Knock, knock, knock. Nobody answers. Then you can post it on the door. But you need to document that you've tried different dates, different times, and that, you know, you've made a valid effort to serve the person. But I mean, that and then one you post right it on there, the door, take the picture, document. Picture. Yeah, no, you have a time stamped picture. But when you sign your affidavit, I, if I recall, it's been a while. Don't they ask when you serve them? Don't they ask for the details of how you tried to? Yeah. So you can say, I tried Sunday at 2 p.m. I tried Monday at yeah. 3 p.m. Oh, I it's tried. a form. You fill out this form. Yeah. yeah. And it's a great question from Johnny there because I've always wondered, like, that's the easiest thing to fake. Yeah. And then you show up to the hearing and they're not there. And they're like, well, did you serve them? Yes. Okay, I see that you signed here an affidavit saying that you did, but they're not here. So I feel like a mediator is going to probably reschedule a hearing if that's the case, because there's no real proof. Not unless, you know, you pull out your cell phone and you record the video or you take a picture of them and you handing it to them. But you can, the second picture, I guarantee, is going to be their fist in your face. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um because nobody wants to go and serve someone a notice of hearing yeah i mean that just sounds intimidating for for me 
like this is the last thing I want to do. If there's a hostile situation going on, yeah, and you've got a like a tenant that's not easy to deal with, because most of them are hostile. They're they're not like the type that are going to be like, oh please please don't evict me, Mister. No, it's... and if they are the oh please please don't evict me, they're probably hiding behind the curtain, and then you get to you know post it on the door because they refuse I'd to answer. I love the that door. more than the guy <laughs> that's going to punch me in the face. Um, I had a. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's another, another day, another story. Um, <laughs> I was just remembering Corey, Corey stories. Oh, ah, there's a, there's a, there's a segment we'll do in the future. Corey, Corey stories. stories. Yeah. <laughs> Our first tenant. I haven't looked him up in a while. I'm going to creep him. Oh, man. Cor- I got lots of Corey stories. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Anyways, serving is yeah. That's that's a that's a whole different beast right there. I mean, if if we can get it done by email, that's the best way to prove it. Um, registered mail is another way. So you can send registered mail and force them to sign for it. Yeah, if you have their address. If you have their address. So what, one of the things we did in the past, which doesn't really work, is when when you're filling out the lease in the beginning when they first move in, say, hey, we have to have, technically by law. And it's a lie, but technically we need to put something here for a forwarding address in the event that something was to happen. Um, let's just say, for example, you were to fall ill. I just want to know who, like your parents or brother, sister, someone I can contact that I can forward this to. Or if something was to happen and you moved away and I need I need to be able to send this statement account at the a statement of accounts and the security deposit back to someone. So I just need a forwarding address regardless. Most people put their mom and dad. And they're like, oh, yeah, sure. Okay, I'll give you their phone number and their address and for forwarding. Okay. So what I'll do next is I will send the notice of hearing to their mom and dad and have it just registered mail where they need to sign for it. Mom calls up, you know, uh, Judy, the tenant, and says, hey, Judy, there's some registered mail for you here. Um, you might want to come down and get it. If they're in the same city, they'll probably go drive down there when they see mom and dad. They'll go down to the uh, Canada Post. They'll sign for it. We'll get notification that they've signed for it. Then we can prove, we can say that they've received it. It's another option as well. It's a bit of a stretch though, but it's another option. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you're going to have to put on your, you know, you're going to have to go all Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew and start, you know, searching for them on Google and Facebook. And maybe, you know, you probably have their employer on your lease or on their applications. So you can go down to, you know, where they work at, you know, uh, JD Steel. Yeah, the problem is a lot of people change jobs throughout their tenancy. Did you know and JD owns a steel company? <laughs> no. Yeah. I like how earlier Liam's like everybody calls him John. LOL. But like literally, his name is John. Like, <laughs> why is that funny? I don't get it. <laughs> you come in here as John Persia, and then Persia or Persia? Oh, I don't know. But then everybody's like, whoa, it whoa, first. it's JD. Like, chill, you guys. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But anyways, I mean, you, if you know where they work and they haven't lost their job, or then you can just go and wait for them at the end of their shift. Um, you can also, you know, go into the front desk and say, hey, I'm here to see um, Judy. And, and they'll say, oh, who's, who is it? Uh, it's a friend. Um, I'm dropping something off for them. Judy comes out front desk and you go, bam, Judy. Bitch. You've oh, been sorry. <laughs> Gab. Well, she is. Gab, no. She's going through some hard times. Judy, you've been served. The receptionist is like, what the fuck is going on? Um, 
That's terrible, actually. I mean, it's like geez, she's going through some stuff. Unless, of course, Judy is like a real, like you said. But I mean, that's the, again, that's another option, right? Mm-hmm. If you know where they frequent, then um, if you know which bar they go to on Fridays after they get you paid. You know which pawn shop they attend. Too. More Corey stories? Yeah, Corey stories. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm flying off the rails. Oh, man. I need to be silenced. Okay. Well, guys, I what a what a what a great show what a great week um thank you guys so much for tuning in um thanks for waking up early every day and and getting your learn on with us <laughs> went from like fired up to like wayne thank you so much for spending your mornings with us it has been a pleasure and we really look forward to seeing you again on monday doing my little mr dress up routine <laughs> okay no, it's Mr. Rogers, not Mr. Dress Up. Mr. Rogers, right? <laughs> it's where Mr. Rogers like takes off his shoes and takes off his jacket and hangs it. Can you end the damn show? Bye, guys. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Interested in being a guest on the show? Send us an email to info at reimorningshow.com. <laughs>